You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. I uh, wanted to say, I saw that Moa Peach has uh, been a member. Oh, Jordan University. There you go. Uh, Moa Peach, you've been a member to the Saturday Morning D&D Show for 11 months. And then BK Dan, you're like, oh, yeah, 11 months and five days here. And I'm like, what? So thank you, guys. That's really crazy. cool. You guys are super. That's crazy. That's fun. That's really fun that you have those. those like. Pur- I made purple <laughs> badges for the uh, six-month run, apparently. So there we, we go. D- we didn't scare you away. You've been here 11 yeah. months, and you've returned. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, hello everybody, welcome. We are a uh, tabletop RPG show, and we're gonna talk about tabletop RPG things. Uh, yeah, I feel like we're chocked full. We we are. So I was gonna, I was gonna say maybe we should just hit the bullet points and kind of go through. But oh, and my phone's blowing up because I'm sure somebody wants so to popular. talk to me. Do not disturb. There we go. Um, so boy, we were off last week. Uh, but to do a very quick recap. There was lots of uh, lots of drama. Um, uh, Wizards of the Coast listened, and then they didn't listen, and then they listened again. Um, and they started calling this a playtest, which I found a little offensive because I'm like, a legal document is not a playtest. Like, we shouldn't be... <laughs> you should have the draft you want and get reactions and stuff. And maybe that's kind of what they did, but they wanted to call it a playtest, I think, to bring the community back together. But mm-hmm. overwhelming, overwhelmingly, uh, they got 15,000 responses on their survey. And around 80, 90% said, or 89 90% said that you should not revoke OGL 1.0A. And the only good thing about what you did with, the, with putting some of the role mechanics in Creative Commons is you should put more in Creative Commons. And... I guess this is the big, like, we have to save face with our community. I don't know what else uh, this would be. Well, did you fill it out, the survey? I did. I yeah. did, too. Yeah. yeah I was like, really, I, haven't, like... I haven't done any nope. of the 1D&D playtest surveys, uh, which I guess is, like, bad. I should because I'm helping mold the game. But I also am of the opinion that what I don't like, I can change. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think that Wizards of the Coast is going to take my design ideas um in a positive way where i'm like hey i think the rangers should operate like this like they're they're big paid game designers they're gonna like they're gonna be like oh no podunk guy from the inland northwest surely he knows more about game design than i do so i don't know but uh but they want feedback on like what's fun and things like that and i was like well D and its nature is fun uh so yeah i filled that one out and i really I, I like went through bullet point after bullet point of like all the reasons to look at why having a community that's willing to build products about your product is a benefit to you if you look at it from like a advertisement thing. So like if if MCDM makes a million dollars and off a Kickstarter for a 5e book, that's a million dollar marketing campaign you didn't have to spend a million dollars on, right? Yeah. So that was like free marketing for you. Yeah because he's generating the popularity for the game. He's, he's generating popularity for the product and your name's associated with that. And I just think that was always the thing that got missed with the, you know, with the group was just that don't look at it as money, not in your pocket. Look at it as a marketing campaign. That's just 
continually going, all these people are building products for your game. That's free advertisement. That's real value. And I just want to make sure to emphasize there's value in letting your community build products for you. It just helps the whole th- as a whole, like and every I, I single think, positive thing I could think of. Yeah. And I don't think fifth edition uh, would be nearly as popular um, if it wasn't for the open game license and allowing all of these yeah. people to make compatible stuff and things like that to the point where yeah. um, I think other companies were just like, oh my gosh, like this is really like not just Matt Coville. He was like, well, we're going to make it for no, fifth it, edition. Paizo did a 5e but, you know, Paizo's been making yeah. 5e content Monty and Cook. not just Cobble Press, but like Monty Cook. Like they don't, why would they invest resources into 5e if it wasn't what everybody was kind of playing? And yeah. uh, a lot of, not a lot of people, but I was, I, I made a comment on YouTube that I'm like, I they're coming out with responses faster than I can make videos. And I, I had made... So to to date, I have I made three scripts video that scripts that I want to be very clear and concise because yeah. it's the internet. I don't like putting stuff out there where people are like going to jump on me or say, oh, you're wrong because you didn't research this enough. And that's just my personality is to kind of uh, like research, I guess. And I don't not not necessarily fact check, but then give my opinion. And I had this whole mm-hmm. video where I'm like, I think they really want to. Wizards of the Coast wants to thwart um, virtual tabletops. I think they want to be the only virtual tabletop. And my opinion was that they bought D&D Beyond not necessarily to acquire it, but to uh, own it and potentially destroy it or change it if need be for whatever virtual tabletop they're working on. Because they knew that D&D Beyond was their biggest competition. Because so many people use D&D Beyond. So they acquired it. And it just made sense, you know? Um, and then I I think a lot of other VTTs were like, uh, but, you know, if you start pulling not only our content or third party, your D- D&D content, but third party content, like, what are we going to do? Uh, this changes everything, though, because now they've officially said that it was in Creative Commons. So then my mind is saying, I'm glad I didn't release that video because clearly... If they're willing to do this, they're willing to keep other virtual tabletop competition alive because now anyone can take the community uh, Creative Commons SRD and incorporate it mm-hmm. into their VTT for 5e. For 6th yeah. edition and beyond, we don't know. But that's also like that's a new product. That's kind of wizards can do whatever they want with it. And then that was my opinion from the very beginning is I didn't want them to stop 5e third edition and third edition srd stuff like you know Mm -hmm. at this point i'm like release a fourth edition ogl and let us make cool fourth (laughs) edition things that would be awesome but uh who knows anyway yeah so the big news is that they released the srd into creative commons and it's it's done like a lot of people are like well when are they going to do that i'm like just the act of putting the license on it and publishing it to the internet which is what they did it's now part of that so uh, and they're going to keep the OGL 1.0a intact, um, mm-hmm. which a lot of people were like, they're not adding that irrevocable word, but it's also the same license we've been using this entire time. So there's there's that. Who knows if, that, if people are going to trust it or not. I think a lot of people will probably not use the OGL in their books anymore, uh, especially when you could just do a smaller Creative Commons like Thanks Wizards at the bottom. But yeah, I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts? A lot of people like, this really, is huge. 
Yeah, a lot of people went back and looked at, did we even really need the OGL for the stuff we were creating? If we're creating brand new stuff wholesale, yeah. did we even need to have it in the first place? I mean, we saw you know video after video analyzing, is it even needed? Did you have to have it in yours? Or were you just covering bases? Which is great, you know, you wanna do that if you're just covering bases, but I don't know if Paizo really needed it or has to own up to it. I don't, stuff at that I don't point. think so they I did. I think it's great, it doesn't yeah. matter now, but yeah. you know. <laughs> and I think that's that's the reason Wizards did it because yeah. uh, I was waiting for them to, uh, I'm like, just rip off the Band-Aid, release this really bad open game license that's gonna force a bunch of legal battles yeah. and then we'll let the courts decide and it'll be fine. Like. I just I want to get this done now rather than drawing it out for years by like revision yeah, after revision sense. and I'm like just just release the bad ones so we can sue you. Um mm -hmm. and they went the opposite route where they were like originally the OGL was kind of a promise of just wizards won't sue you. Like we want you to help this this game yeah. survive. They're not survive, but like we want to help this game flourish. And the only way it'll flourish is if a lot of people can write a lot of things for it. And then the good stuff kind of bubbles up to the top. Yeah. Whether that's and there's a history about that. Because yeah. when they're with TSR, TSR went after a lot of people back in the day everybody. trying to lock their stuff down. And there was this big fear if you used anything Dungeons and Dragons, they would come out. They were known for coming after people. So it was like... It was a breath of fresh air when they're no longer with TSR. They're with Wizards of the Coast. Now this open license happens. That's, you know that that's like a whole different phase, and it comes from that fear of a company that's trying to just ratchet down on. So they they knew the lesson. Like the lesson happened in the 80s and 90s. They got away from it, and then it was like they just hadn't learned that lesson. But it's well, also it's new people, we always right? lump like, in. We say Wizards of the Coast, and we say this and that. But really, it's like people or certain people in parts of that company not necessarily the whole company it was clear there were plenty of wizards of the coast employees yeah. that were that hated oh, this yeah. idea and were trying to tell everybody stop doing what you're doing this is this is not right i'm sure chris perkins and then we're all like hey what are you doing you know even with jerry holkins coming in you know a, a huge partner for them was like what are you doing you know yeah. this is dumb we work with you we we helped you build the brand back back in the day this isn't how you do that. And so it's just like we've always said, those corporate sales, you know, shareholder focused people tried to do something and it was terrible. It was yeah. not a good idea. And yeah, and so, that's and, and that's management. Like the the yeah. people that made the decisions of the OGL back in the day, they're not, not the same there. people yeah. in charge now. So they're just like, why are we doing this? You know? But it's yeah. like they weren't there to understand why did we do this? We did this because we wanted, you know, there's a reason Dungeons and Dragons is the most popular role-playing game. And I think that's because of the OGL and, and yeah. the, um, the ability for lots of people to make lots of stuff for that system, not just, you know, third edition, fifth edition, but like uh, when fourth edition wasn't in the OGL, it was like, people were like, this just doesn't feel like D and D like there's an intrinsic D and D feel to it. That was expressed with the open game license. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm blown away. This is uh, very, very interesting. Um, I'm yeah. curious about, well, just the future and stuff. I don't know. So I don't know. My, my mind's well, still bright, right? Yeah. Because I mean, what does it, what does it create? It creates a huge controversy that then they do a survey. They listen to the survey at this point and 
it's rolled it back. So we're back to normal at this point. And, at you know, this point, at, yeah. Today. Normal plus. But then what it generated from that, it generated all the other tabletop role-playing companies announcing their SRDs or their OpenGL licenses or them joining together to create them. Like every single one of them fell in line. I can't think of a single one. Like we have it in our notes here. I saw Modifius talked about theirs. Paizo's jumping in with the black flag, Cobalt Presses with them in the in the Orc one. And um, I saw Free League has theirs. I saw like it was Monty Cook has been talking about there. It was like everybody's online yeah. now. So it's like our whole community has come together and decided how we want this to kind of yeah. move forward and what what we as a community think is good. That's crazy to think about where we're at now with yeah. all of these games that you can make content for. Me and you could right now put up a Kickstarter campaign that's going to be about a free league game and have an OGL or an SRD to, to lean on to do that yeah. and work with them. Or, you know, a Modifius game or uh, well, oh, and, Powered by the Apocalypse yeah. jumped into it. You know, it was like all these games. <laughs> well, and uh, the another cool thing about this too is like people kind of start drifting towards systems they like. You know, and let's yeah. say uh, our cliff, let's say we turn that cliff thing into an adventure, you know, the cliff yeah. adventure we always talk about. Um, yeah. Now, like Campaign I can, world. I can make it for 5e. I can make it for Cypher System. I can make it for this. And there's not a whole bunch I have to change, but like what a great uh, marketing thing for a Kickstarter now where it's like, I have this yeah. really cool adventure and we're going to make it available for these three systems. And it's like, oh, mm -hmm. like, you know, like I've never really wanted to play 5e, but like now I'll pick it up for Cypher System because I love that, you know, or something like that. Like that's that's cool. I think that's really awesome. And then because it's a Kickstarter, you know exactly how many books of what version you need to print. And like, I don't know. I just I think that's yeah. really cool. Um, and Monty Cook's already been doing this. You know, they're like, here's Tolis yes. for Cypher. Here's Tolis for 5e. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I was really crazed. Or, or hyped up, I'm kind of jumping the gun, but the Apocalypse World <laughs> SRD, because Apocalypse yeah. World is free. It is out there already. It, it's not a system reference, or it's not a OGL free. It's just free. Yeah, and, I think all you have to do is credit the the creator yeah. in your thing, and that's like the only like thing they have. But yeah. there's nothing much like a monetary or, where you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're going to make a system reference document for Apocalypse World, which is what I say, uh, Apocalypse World, I mean powered by the Apocalypse. So Monster of the Week, yeah. uh, Blades in the Dark, a lot of those games that are kind of hacks yeah. of it. Uh, but they want to create an SRD, but they said in that article you posted that it, it's really going to be, here's how you make a game. Here are like base mechanics. Um, mm -hmm. And then go ahead and take this and make games. And I was like, man. You thought we were in the tabletop RPG renaissance before. Like, I, this is going to blow up everything because now it's just available, yeah. you know? So, yeah, it's crazy. And even from a player perspective, like, a lot of that is like, you know, what games you're going to play and, and what did the players get out of this? I mean, players are right now, they jumped out of the rut of, I think, there's only one game to play when you want to play a role-playing game, right? There's yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. Now it's like, there's so many people exploring other games right now. There's so many people buying other materials and trying them out. And, you know, Monty Cook was sold out and Paizo was sold out. And Did like, you know everybody how fast was sold Paizo out on sold books, out? You know, yeah. Paizo had eight months worth of books in their warehouse when this started. Yeah. And they sold through eight months worth of books in two weeks. Yeah. Like their website and Amazon and stuff. It's all just like, we're doing another reprint guys. Hang tight. Like yeah. we'll get those orders filled. I'm like, Oh my gosh. 
So it's like a full bonanza for their all their competitors. It's a it's yeah. a great victory for the players and then those who are thinking about creating stuff and the Kickstarter campaigns that are going to yeah. be coming in and stuff. But it also, I think, triggered a we're not tied to just doing 5e, which I always thought we used to talk about too. Everybody wanted to do a 5e Kickstarter campaign. And I hope this means everybody wants to do a TTRPG Kickstarter, but it could be 5e. It could be Pathfinder 2. It could be um, 2D20 system. It could be powered by the apocalypse. It could, you know, it could be, I'd well, like to and, see more variety of these games and not just, hey, we need to do a 5e game because that's, because that that's what money. everybody yeah. does. Yeah, and uh, I think case in point, we'll see next month because February yeah. is Zine Quest on Kickstarter. And there's going to yeah. be a lot of indie RPGs that are going to yeah, go up OSR. on Zine Quest. And I, I guess we'll look at the numbers and we'll see, like, are these, like... Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not anticipating million dollar zine quests, but like whenever they do mm -hmm. really popular, it's it's a sign of the times that people are looking for um, alternate fun, you know, little systems here and there. Um, yeah. Which I've been, you know, I uh, when I first started D and D, like I was very much like, well, I play D and D, and and I think it's the natural evolution of a lot of tabletop RPGers that you're just like, oh, that's an interesting mechanic. Like I want to try that, you know, and. And now you're me with like a huge collection behind you of all these other RPGs that you <laughs> yep, you play here and there. So, um, but speaking of that too, we have the the orc system is gearing up for a play test, and mm -hmm. I think they are going to play test at Gen Con. Is that what I saw? I signed up to run games at Gen Con. The That's Black Flag Project you. is yeah. the way they they talk about it on the Cobalt Press. Oh page, no, Project but Black Flag is Cobalt Press's game. Um, yeah. The orc is not Project Black Flag. Uh, oh, I thought they were using the same one. No, no. Project Black Flag is from Cobalt Press. That's them making their own game, uh, which our friend Celeste Konowich is the game lead on that. So yeah. I'm very excited for that. She's awesome. I thought they are using the orc system. To well, do. Maybe the Paizo said, we want to do an orc system that's open. And then all these other game companies are like, we'll help you with that. We'll help you build that. So that we have this um, commonality for game design is kind of, I Got think, it. the idea of it. Um, so... Black Flag might borrow stuff from Orc. I'm not really sure. Um, I know that Project Black Flag felt a response to this, so I'm I'm curious the direction that's going to go. MCDM's game looks like they were always planning on a game. They're just moving moving the timeline up because of current events. Uh, mm -hmm. But I am excited that maybe at Gen Con this we year, speaking of which, Gen Con tickets go on sale tomorrow. So if you want to go to Gen Con, pick them up. <laughs> um but uh, to be able to play some of these at Gen Con is going to be really exciting. Like, That's going to be my year. That's yeah. what I'm planning this year around. Like, I'm going to volunteer this year to play games. Um, and usually when you do that with these companies, they pay your way in. If you do, sometimes with certain deals, they pay your room and board there, too, while you're there. So, you know, just depending on what games you're playing with, what relationship you have with the company. I've ran... Over the years, the Monty Cook, I worked with their team in running games and they gave, you know, they paid for my badge and got me in and gave me all this cool material to run Numenera and mm -hmm. the Strange and Cy Cypher system. I also ran for Magpie Games and I got a bunch of cool stuff for Mass, a new generation. They paid for my way in and all that stuff. So, like, I'm that's this year I want to go and explore all these new games that people are creating and run games for other people to see what they think too and, and get that interaction with people to play with it so i'm super excited that's what i'm framing my whole schedule around are these you yeah. know trying to jump into these play tests and jump into these um you know these new games that are coming 
Arc Thunder was telling us in chat here that Orc is a license, not a game. Um, and I think we knew that Orc is a license, but I, I, from my understanding, there's like a, a base reference document so that we know what we're referencing with this Orc license, much like the OGL had the system reference document. Yeah. So, and it's all changing um, but I could as new announcements yeah. come out and things are happening and we're only getting glimpses of it. So I, I know we'll get more and more information about, you know, what it is when we get the play test. I hope we get the play test. I assume they'll make it public to everybody. There's no reason not to. And then we'll, we'll jump on it because we jump on everything. Um, also, not in our notes, but the the Merry Mushmen, which are a French uh, tabletop group uh, publisher, um, they make those knock magazines. Do you remember those? Like it's oh. knock with an exclamation point. Well, they made yeah. a they made a free game. You can go to their website, MerryMushmen.com, and they made uh, the crack game, um, which is uh, oh, I should look it up now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. Very, very funny. Um, but they, they did these funny um, acronyms for everything. So instead of, uh, like, what is a saving throw? They had, like, well, a save is, like, like shit you got to run away from and things like that. And they had all of these funny acronyms that um, tied back into, you know, the word that we know or the acronym that, like, like strength, S-T-R would be, like, uh, serious trouble running or I don't know. Like they had all these funny things, but, um, <laughs> but cool. they made a free one and they get, they're like, we want to just give it away. Like, here you go. And it's like, what? That's cool. So. Yeah. So lots of creativity coming out. That means I think what we're going to see in February, March and April, a lot of people just maybe, maybe they were waiting or maybe they hadn't had the idea, but now they were this, like, you know, this, I like, I'll, I was further down in our notes there too but i was talking to aj about the game he's creating over yeah you know and he's creating you know uh, a really cool game too and that that looks good i'm, I'm trying to get on you know like yeah i'm gonna test now i can't wait to see this and then there was um also cj from don't stop thinking youtube channel he's creating a game called, that came out of nowhere you know, i was like yeah what? and i was just like this looks so good so uh we'll talk about that as we get to those pieces but it's just like it's amazing to me you know, all the stuff that's happening. There's a lot of creativity happening right here at the end of January and moving into February. That's going to be lots of stuff for dungeon masters, lots of stuff for players to get into. And I can't wait to bring it all to our, you know, to the show. Like what got released today, Arcadia or today, this week was Arcadia number 24. Can you imagine 24 of these really cool, almost like dragon magazine throwback article kind of compilations of stuff that you can add to your game. This one has dragon mounts and potions and explosives, a new villain organization you can move. And everything always comes with great art. Everything comes with well thought out articles on how you can add them to your game. And it's just one of the best. I love that there's, he's revived this idea of like the dungeon magazine or the dragon oh, yeah. magazine style of let's, let's put out monthly content that players and DMS can, can grab and subscribe to and read and, and get in, you know, um, ideas and you know inspiration from and and use so that's I, I love that yeah uh, and Arcadia really is ending this summer um, and then they're gonna work on some lore and stuff I think for his world um, which I'm excited I see about because I love lore um, but I, <laughs> it was weird because I'm like I I think you could still call it Arcadia like it doesn't the magazine doesn't need to end um, and especially yeah. now with Creative Commons I think that they could still keep making it. Um, and I hope they do because I I enjoy Arcadia, but I wonder if it's a resources thing. They're like, you know, like 
we can't have yeah, all of these editors and writers on this if I'm having all these editors and writers on these other projects. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's fair. So yeah, I like I like staying within size. your means. You know, like don't don't yeah. <laughs> promise what you can't deliver, kind of a thing. And so yeah. Um, and then talking about yeah. um, the black flag. So not only could you sign up, but they did release on their website if you go over to Cobalt Press. So Cobalt Press is doing a couple of things that's been pretty cool. I thought we should talk a little bit about. But yeah. they have their you can there's a place to sign up for the play test. There's a place that you can sign up if you want to run games with them at Gen Con, if you're going to be there. And then they also started showing some of the art style that they're going with, and they post that up on their website, and and you can see some of that stuff. So um, Brian Syme, I hope I say your name right, Brian, um, put out a an orc and then a troll, and they look pretty cool. I like the the. He does a lot of Magic the Gathering with. and D&D fantasy art. He's done a lot for Cobalt yeah. Press, so... He's so really that's pretty artist. cool. And then I know it's further in the notes, but uh, Cobalt Press is also their book is out in Kickstarter right now too. So yeah, they're uh, Deep that Magic is Two, Deep Magic Two, Volume so, Two. Uh, Deep Magic, the, what like one and two? Well, I don't. Is it is it a second version? I don't know. Anyway, sorry. This is Volume One, and then the other one says Volume Two. So this one's now Volume Two is the way they listed on okay. their site. So. Uh, yeah, they they came out with these like these little articles, so you could buy like these. It was like Deep Magic One, Deep Magic One through Nine, um, but they've condensed those into these tomes. And if you need mm -hmm. like random five E spells, they're pretty good. Uh, for I always like to have resources like that to drop spells on my players where they're like, "This isn't the one I memorized." Like, what do you right. mean? And then they're like, "Oh, like it's a new spell," and so. Um, some of those can be a lot of fun. Like I did that with my uh, Zakara Alkadim campaign where they just had different types of magic and they were like, what? So um, I would I would yes. definitely check out that Kickstarter if you're interested in that. It looks pretty cool. <laughs> Cobalt yeah, Press can always makes new, great uh, mechanics for true name magic, arcane adversaries, and repertoire. Here's a cool thing with their Kickstarter that I thought was kind of cool too is that the book will have 20 spells written by backers, which they then increased to 50 because it was so popular. So yeah. there's like a backing tier where he says, I want to write a spell that's going to be in this book. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then how to design your spell update is they've got a detail that's going to come out on February 17th. So really cool. Um, I always like the Cobalt. I always think they're really high quality Kickstarter stuff that they put out. And mm -hmm. um, this one looks really fun and great. So then I got an email too. I got from Modifius created their D d220 builders program which is for their games because their system's built on the d220 system have did you play too many of those i've ran the star trek game adventures i've i played in a conan game that used that system i'm in a play test for an aforementioned game that i'm not allowed to talk about because of a i probably should stop talking yeah. <laughs> that's a 2d20 system have you played any of their systems i haven't have um i Okay. I own Star Trek, and I actually watched the Star Trek, uh, like, Amy, uh, I forget her last name, was on it. Yeah. Um, and they Dallin? ran up. Dalen? Uh, no, maybe. Anyway, uh, she's been doing stuff for D&D Beyond lately. But um, I watched their Star Trek show where they, like, the DM was there, and he had his, like, recurring cast. They all dressed up in Star Trek stuff, and they ran that Modifius system. So I'm familiar with it in that aspect, but I haven't actually played the 2D20 system yet. But it's like low is good, right? Like the the one is replaced yeah. by a symbol on the dice, yeah. if I remember. I should run you through that that Star Trek adventure. Just one adventure, Be just fun. the one little thing. It was like Star Trek cadets 
who had just graduated and there's a little adventure to take you through and it was meant to teach how the game plays yeah so it's a great cool. introductory i should take you through that because we had fun with um the team that we got together to play that they had a lot of fun trying it out and uh, i think you'd like the system i think you'd find it very interesting yeah i love to learn a new system it's fun and freely like if you want to do aliens or um tales from the loop which we love quite a bit they they announced their you know zero year zero engine ogo and kind of like their srd and their kickstarter that i did jump onto dragon bane they've included dragon bane their newest product into allowing people into that that agreement too so yeah. you great stuff for that. so dragon bane I didn't is know interesting if anybody else did dragon bane because i think it was the number one rpg back in the day in scandinavia like sweden and norway yeah. and stuff um yep. and this is like an a revised updated version of it uh Correct. but yeah it's really cool and their 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 year zero engine is the kind of like pool of d6s that you are trying to get a six on and a six is a success um tales from the loop uses it the alien rpg mm -hmm. uses it from what i understand uh so but with this srd you can't necessarily make an alien game um, because Alien is like that's licensed to, licensed like, yeah, yeah, to yeah. them to make a game for Aliens, but you could make a game using those settings, uh, and then I could buy yeah. Alien to like you know play that hypothetical Alien uh, mm -hmm. game that I have. Uh, but yeah, I I love uh, Tales from the Loop is a lot of fun. Um, mm -hmm. Forbidden Lands uses that system, and I really like it. And uh, Vasin, which is a really fun game that I've only played a couple times, but I really loved Vasin as well. That was a kind yeah. of a well, and in old that, English they, they fairy in a bunch of, So Yeah, they put a bunch of content you can use for their Cthulhu game that they have, because mm -hmm. they have a very popular version of a Cthulhu game in there too. That um, And they have a lot of artwork that you can use and pull in there. So they did provide some stuff for some of the, not all of them, obviously, I would think the the movie franchise ones they're not going to provide stuff so you're not going to like you said you're not going to get aliens yeah. you probably won't get star trek stuff because that's still owned by them but the games that they've created wholesale um i would i could see that being in there i mean they have homeworld that was the other yeah. one i've been reading and been doing is that 2d20 or is that oh. year zero engine yeah. i forget actoon cthulhu 2d20 okay what about homeworld? Game. oh 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 yeah so Free League has the other the other uh, Cthulhu oh, game. I, I get confused about Modifius and Free League because Modifius yeah, sells a bunch of Free League stuff uh, for them in yeah. the United States. So um, yeah. cool, yeah. Um, I had a question for you though, and this is kind of I, I think the answer will change as of yesterday. Um, but I was thinking about this, and I put it on. I'm on uh, what is it Mastodon now, which is the twitter alternative that a bunch of people jumped over there but i'm finding really good discussions on there so i'm actually hanging mm -hmm. out on mastodon more than i'm hanging out on twitter lately but i was asking some people do you think that with this was before DD &D was in common uh creative commons but i was like do you think that if this ogl doesn't work out uh, will we have a space similar to um the osr where you have like hundreds of different systems that all kind of do the same thing, but like all try to say, I'm different because of this. And it's like, well, are you? Because I could just take that this mechanic and apply it to whatever game I'm actually playing in. Um, which is one of the reasons I think D&D &D was so good is because we had like, here's the base system 
and then other people could be like Matt Koval could make like warfare rules or keep rules or something. And it's like, oh, I'll add that supplement to my existing game where the OSR went in this direction of like, well, I'm going to build my own game. I'm going to build my own game. And that's not necessarily bad, but it's very fractured. And so with all of these SRDs coming out and open dot licenses and stuff, do you fear that the tabletop world will splinter and fracture into different groups? Or do you think this is oh, going to make a I more a good thing cohesive did, yeah. thing? Yeah, I think it's... Um, I don't know if it too much has changed, really, because I think there's the group of people who are going to make the game they want based on that. Like, you are still exploring game mechanics and dice mechanics and ways mm -hmm. to build a game. Nothing that's happened in the last two months has stopped you from doing it. In fact, it's just driven you forward, really. And I think there's that group of people that are out there. Then I think there's the other group who says... I like this game. I love 5e. I like the mechanics of it, but I just want to apply it to a different setting or campaign world with some addition to make it feel like, hey, I'm going to do Blade Runner in 5e, or I, you know, I'm going to combine two things that I love a lot: my the, my knowledge of 5e rules and this thing. And then there's the other groups, so like the OSR groups, where like I think what you're saying is, is like they like the old style game, but then they change certain core mechanics of it to give it their flavor of that versus I'm just building a campaign world where I'm just adding on pieces. I feel like there's just everybody still is going to do the thing they're interested in. And now they don't, aren't going to feel constrained. They're never going to, I don't think anymore feel like I have to do this because I don't have another route anymore. Like I have to do 5e because there's no other route for me to go. Cause we didn't know these other companies were going to let us do these things. So you couldn't just say, Hey, Jordan, let's let's do a Kickstarter and we're gonna do this cool cliff campaign world, but let's do it in Monty Cook's world. Four months ago, we might not have even thought about doing a Cypher system one because we didn't know they had an OGL or a SRD or a, a Creative Commons license that would let us do that. So we might have only looked at 5e to do it because we knew that one, we understood that one, and we could do it. Now it's like there's so many of them out there, we could really have that discussion of well, which one do we want to do? Do we want to do, you know, 2D20? Do we want to do Powered by the Apocalypse? 2D6 plus stat? Do we want to do, you know, we could do all these and they all allow us, if we look at their requirements, that would let us do that. So yeah, I think, I think it, no, I, also, I think it's a good thing. Don't, I'm not trying to say that yeah. it's bad to have a fractured community, but uh, what, I, what I was trying to get to is like, it did feel like we all had a foundation of Dungeons and Dragons. And before it went to oh, yeah. the Creative Commons, that foundation was shattered. And so you have people that are like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play Paizo. Well, I'm going to play Forbidden Lands. Well, I want to try Dungeon Crawl Classics. And so we got into this point where it's like, you know, I would argue, there, how much of a difference is there between Pathfinder mm -hmm. and Dungeons and Dragons? Like, do, do we, yeah. you know, and even Dungeon Crawl Classics, do we really need to be fighting about like, you know, like Pathfinder people being like, why don't you play Pathfinder? And D&D &D people, because I play D&D. &D. Gotcha. Uh, and it's one of these things where I'm like, you guys are all kind of playing the same thing, but you're right. The DCC people really love DCC and the, the Pathfinder people really love Pathfinder. And so with this yeah. fracture, I was wondering if we're going to get kind of like the OSR where it's like, well, I don't play Knave, but I play Cairn or I don't play this, but I play that. Um, or just the people that are shouting, like, look at how different and great my game is. When I'm like, really, you have the exact same game as Maze Rats, 
but you've added like a fun hat on top of it and published it because mm-hmm. you can. And that's cool. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it, it does make it that we have like the, uh, you're yeah. inundated with the amount of options that you can like, yes. Oh my gosh, like there's 35 games to play when really it's like, well, if you understand D and D you'll understand this, this, and this, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I was, but now that I think the, uh, because of creative commons, I think we still have that foundation where people will be able to, always go back to that and say this is free and open here's mm-hmm. what strength means here's what a d20 does here's yeah. a, a 20 is a crit you know things that we all understand so yeah it'll be interesting to be somebody's new that doesn't play role-playing games yet but in the next week or in the next month have decided hey i've heard about role-playing games i wonder what that is and they try to start researching or they try to start deciding why well, I keep hearing people say they play something. I want to know what that is like coming to it without any of the history, without any of the, and you're just trying and you're just all of a sudden your search is going to bring up hundreds and hundreds of options for you to say, Oh, wow. I, I, these are all role-playing games and I can play any of them. And I wonder which one I want to play. And like, yeah. So it's almost like when we always talk about like uh, when Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 bloated right because it got so many options there was now it was so crazy and one of the reasons they start to change additions is when it just gets to be so big it's too much and they kind of condense it down get it back to basics and they build again until they get too much i wonder if we're at that point with role-playing game tabletop role-playing games we just have so many options now are we going to have like you know what uh choice paralyzation of oh my god which one should i play or how do i find the community that's attached to this one Mm -hmm. and are these all just real small communities from now on or are we going to have another big monolith community that has you know like some around it but there's really this big you know monolith of everybody plays dungeons and dragons i do like that i've had a lot of people interested in playing other games though which has been kind of fun yeah because usually it's like okay we'll play 5e um, and I like 5e just fine, but like when I have all of these games behind me, I want to try other stuff. And now I have people that are like, oh yeah, like I was thinking about that, that weird goblin game you have. Do you want to try that sometime? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> Finally. So, um, cause they're, people yes. are just wising up and I wonder also if Kickstarters were going to get, uh, rather than being like, I'm going to make this for 5e because a, it makes money and B, um, it's what I'm familiar with. You like, I don't know. I'm going to call out my friend Steven on this, where he was like, I'm going to make a superhero version of 5e. And I was like, well, is that the best system for it? And he's like, it's the only one I know. And so that's what he was trying to do. And it's one of those things where I'm like, but the more we play other games, you might realize like, oh my gosh, I could make a really cool superhero. Like we were just talking the other day about um, Kids on Brooms has a magic element to it where, but you're still kids. And I was like, we should redo that magic system to be X-Men mutants. And we could run the coolest mm-hmm. X-Men game using kids on bikes or kids on brooms. Um, mm-hmm. And it's that kind of thinking where it's like, I could make this with 5e or I could make it like really cool. You know, like there's there might be a better system that fits for what I'm trying to deliver as an experience. Um, so I'm excited for that too, but boy. What would you name kids on X-Men though? <laughs> kids Probably on... like- Mutant kids, kids or mutants, uh, kids, children kids of the atom. Genes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that would be a great name, children of the atom. <laughs> I love that. Yes, I love more superhero games. I want more. I I back and buy all of them. So I love what you're talking about right now. <laughs> yeah. So 
that's I mean, it's huge. It was a big it was a big week. It's been a big month. It's just been an exhausting month. Um, and I'm excited for Z Zine Quest next month and to be able to just like just be excited about RPGs again. So it'll be fun. Um, we did mention that tickets are on sale for Gen Con tomorrow. If you're going to Gen Con, uh, there is some controversy because they are not requiring masks or vaccine cards this year. Um, so I'm going to get a ticket because I want to go and then I'm going to feel it out like I did every year where it's like, I might have to cancel if like the COVID spikes so much or other things. So we'll see, but yeah. And, and like yeah. we went last year and, um, that was one of the things that I kind of like midway through the week. Cause I left, I left two days early because mid through day through the week, it was the first thing me that I had done. I didn't know if you'd went to anything else big, but since COVID had hit and being, you know, mostly at home, it was overwhelming, being super yeah. careful. And all of a sudden I'm going to a convention of people. I'm walking around, we've got our masks on, we're doing a really good thing. And I'm just thinking, but I just kept thinking about, man, if I go home and then I have COVID and then my wife gets COVID and then, that just causes all kinds of problems and there's people we interact and is this really the right thing to do? Should I even be here? And that's really what drove me to leave, even though I had a four day pass to be like, all right, I've been here two days. I, I've pushed the envelope of, you know, what's going on. Maybe I should just whatever. And I let that kind of, and so I think this, but I got home and I had nothing. I, all the precautions worked, you know, I didn't get sick. I don't think you said you got sick by the time you got home, you went through an airport you stayed with me in the same room. Everybody went home fine because I think we did the right things. We weren't talking too close to people. Yeah. We had our masks on when we were in different places. But it's and like so. I think for then me, there's I'm restaurants. Do that again. There, there's so many aspects of Indianapolis that Gen Con can't control, and so it's one of right. those one of those six one half a dozen or the other. Like, do you, you have to be careful? Do you are the precautions good or are they mm -hmm. a weird band-aid? Because the minute everyone steps outside, they would rip off their mask and then go to yeah. a restaurant. And I was like, I don't think this is working as we're intending, but who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But we didn't get sick. So I'm but I didn't get it. sick. So there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not to say those and precautions I, aren't good. It's just, And I don't have a fear of wearing a mask. So if I go to Gen Con and I'm going to put a mask on, I'm not going to ever care that nobody else has one. If I really think, it's helping me and it helps me enjoy it yeah. and I'm going to wear it. I don't care what anybody says. And if I don't, I'm not going to, you know, if I feel like I'm comfortable, if I feel like I'm safe and I don't, then I won't, but I feel like I'm going to be better prepared this year and not be so afraid, I guess. Cause really about two days in, I was like, Oh my God, is this the right thing? Should I even be, I'm in a town full of people who knows if they're following, you know, who knows if they are actually vaccinated, who knows. In the, yeah. And so next, this coming up year, I'm going to try to tamp down on that, that fear I had a little bit from last yeah. year. But um, I'm going to check, like you said, if there's a spike, well, I'm going to yeah, take that into consideration. I'm going to think about, you know, what's going on. <laughs> I mean, I had, I had tickets to go to PAX and Gen Con and I canceled mm -hmm. both of those trips. Cause I was like, just doesn't feel right yet. So. Yeah. Um, all of this uh, game design stuff uh, got me reinvigorated to work on modular D6. And I started working on that a little bit. And then the more I was working on that, I started thinking of another system. So now we've been working on this D12 system, which I'm not entirely sure what I want to call it yet. But uh, I'm having a lot of fun with this uh, D12 system that I'm working on. And if you're a patron, I threw it up on Patreon, like my my initial draft. And I've been I was actually working on it this morning, which was a lot of fun. Um, and I think I, or I created a, what was it? Uh, roll 20. Cause roll 20 is really good of like, you could just make what you want. 
you know? And so I started yeah. making abilities and stuff and then rolling the dice like a lot to be like, well, what's kind of not looking for the average outcome because there's better ways to do that, but like making little mock battles against, you know, sacks of hit points to see what would happen. And uh, it was mm -hmm. fun. It was kind of cool to like play around with it. Uh, so writing wise, that's what I've been doing. And like I said, I've, I've had a lot of videos in the bank, but I have stopped putting them out. So um, that's something I need to start doing again. I think, I think I'll, we'll, I don't know. We'll talk about YouTube life later, but yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been an interesting time if you're a D&D &D content creator. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm playing Purple Planet, uh, Perils on the Purple Planet, which is my DCC game every other week. And we had a really great session uh, last Sunday and uh, lots of like exploring sands and fighting worms and stuff. They ended up fighting, finding this like cryogenically frozen creature that rose up and had a cybernetic arms and a cybernetic eye. And they, this is why I love RPGs because the elf was like, well, can I cast charm? And we were like looking through the rules and I'm like, he's antagonistic to you, but I don't think there's a reason you can't cast charm. And so he did. And then it was like, he, and he got a really high role. And so it was like, he was super buddy, buddy, but you could mm -hmm. see his true intentions behind the charm magic where it was like, well, we're going to kill everybody eventually. Right. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, we're, we're good. <laughs> we'll um, <get> there. <laughs> so they ended up shooting him with a ray gun that destroyed Ooh. all of his uh, biological parts but the mechanical eye and the two hands fell down. And then um, one of my players realized that he could uh, put the eye in his head. So he couched out his own eye and put this cybernetic eye in. And I was like, you know, you hear about that with like Vecna and stuff. It's like, oh, it's the hand of Vecna. I'll cut off my hand. But like <laughs> this player actually was like, I'm going to do it. I'm this, doing it. This seems cool. <laughs> so he's got this really badass mechanical eye that gives him a bunch of benefits and a couple of bad things that he's going to discover later on. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, not just DCC, but just RPGs. Like, this is why I love them. So we were laughing about it and having just a great time. Um, and then Great Modron March was last night. Uh, no, yeah, I jumped in for a little ago. bit. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, we had a, we had a lot of fun. I was listening to Ted talking, and uh, I always think it's always funny to me. Lex is always dressed in his, he's got yeah. his shirt and his tie on, and then you know LB is almost dressed like her character. You know, there's a couple, and I'm trying to remember the the fourth person you have. I'm, I'm forgetting her name off. The oh, top Rachel of all, LB. You know, they're yeah. kind of like their characters, and I think it's pretty cool. And then you know Ted's there doing his his cool thing too, and I think he was almost like a Jedi. Yeah, he's got Jedi robes on because yeah, it's been the running joke that his character is a Jedi. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty fun. But we had like a huge lore drop. Um, I keep wanting them to go into this demi plane, and I've given them the key, but they won't go in. And then um, <laughs> they're like, "Well, let's go to a uh, not Avernus, but uh, Gehenna, which is one of the one of the terrible lower planes, like the hellish planes." And so mm. they went there. They found the dead god of the mind flares and all of the mind flares that are like worshiping are just confused because their God's dead and they're not really sure what to do. And, um, and so it was a really good way to do like a huge kind of like lore dump. And they got a lot of names and a lot of information. Um, they're still trying to figure out like, well, where, where do we go next? Because they almost died to a demon that they fought in the, in Gehenna. And it's like, I kind of made the thing where I'm like, well, if you, almost died to that what hopes do you have against a creature that can kill a god and they all kind of mm -hmm. collectively were like oh well 
but Jordan, it's a game. You know, it kind of came back to that. <laughs> like, you have to allow us to Wait. somehow win, right? And I was like, I don't, for one. But also, like, you guys should think <laughs> about this. Like, we're we're in the end game. Like, we're super high level yeah. kind of stuff. You, so. Maybe you should negotiate with it. <laughs> um, AJ Pickett's in, uh, AJ. in the country, or in the country, in the chat. So the welcome, AJ. Um, yeah, he Stay says Gehenna is hard hat country. Soon. So <laughs> you do yeah. want to wear hard hats in Gehenna. It's a little difficult. Um, but boy, we're having a lot of fun. And at the end of it, we were just like, you know, whatever happens with this OGL stuff, we're going to finish this game at least because uh, it's ours. Like we own the game. Wizards doesn't own it. We're going to yeah. we're going to keep playing the cool story that we want to tell. So and that's yeah. what I've been working on. I don't on. know. So so I was sending just a couple messages in AJ and AJ's project he's working on called uh, Super Atomic. He had yeah. some really cool artwork that captured me on Twitter. I'm like, oh, what's this? And he sent me this cool, he's kind of gathering together lots of content creators to build this. And it's going to be like a game as I understand. And I don't want to like spoil anything for him. So I'll be a little bit vague because I'm sure he's going to do all the reveals and show everybody all this stuff and talk about it on his channel, I'm sure. But he's bringing content creators together and you're going to be able to be able to like learn how to play this game right from youtube so it's almost like the game will exist in youtube that's where you'll go to get your book and learn mm -hmm. and figure it out and and be able to do it and he's like time stamped areas and they're gonna you know how, how the whole game will work and i was just like this sounds like a super cool idea i'm in whatever you need help with let me know i'll play test i'll i'll whatever you want me to back something i'll back it you tell me <laughs> i'm like let's do this because it sounded so cool you know like where he was going he's really putting his focus and energy in to you know building something that he wants to create which i think is great and um because you know he was definitely on on twitter too he was out there he was one of the first ones i was seeing about hey this OGL thing is not great. People shouldn't be doing this. We need to really, everybody needs to, you know, kind of spread the word so it doesn't just go under the carpet kind of thing. He was one of the, you know, him and Ted were some of the ones that I saw first in the very beginning of it and had stayed through the whole thing, you know? And I was like, this is cool. And so when he started talking about this, I'm like, this sounds super cool. And I've already said, yeah, whatever I can do to help you let me know and send me some stuff and I'll do it. And it's going to be really cool. And I love a superhero game and he had some really good artwork with it. So I can't wait to see and talk more about on our show, you know, uh, super atomic and go out on Twitter and just type in AJ stuff. And he's been posting stuff there. I don't know if he's put anything up on his channel yet. I'll have to go look because I haven't done that yet yeah. um, to see if it's there. Cause it looks really cool. And then right right next to it was cj from don't stop thinking so i was texting him and he's doing Cloudbreaker alliance which is his game he's building and if anybody knows his channel like i was watching a lot of people learn how to play or learn mechanics for dungeons and dragons 5e from his channel like he was doing really cool animated things about this is how you would do this thing and people really gravitated to that teaching style and then he really dove into um the chinese culture portion and histories even did a car tour whole series about how you can use that and bring it into your game and make it so it's right for the for Dungeons and Dragons. Well, he's coming back and I'm looking at all the stuff he's putting out and it's like if you ever want to play a Final Fantasy style game or you ever want to play any of those RPGs you played on Super Nintendo and all those other games, this system he's building looks yeah. like it's going to be just perfect for that. Like it's, you know, it's he calls it um Sun Tzu's Art of War um plus anime is the way he describes this system they're building and his team that he's gathered together. And I was just like, these are so cool. Yeah. So, and I'm, so I'm like, let me play test that. I want to be into this. I send me the rules. I'm ready to go. Yeah, for um, sure. So that was, I didn't realize that uh, CJ started a second channel 
that was yeah. all about like Chinese history in his same the art different style. Different dynasties. Yeah. And so uh, this game looks really cool because A, it's something he's familiar with and he's kind of combining like mythological China with mm-hmm. uh, uh or Chinese history, anime I guess, with like mythological and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. anime tropes and stuff like that. And um, but I was I was very curious. I think that would be cool. But yes, AJ, yeah, whenever you it. have, um, oh, I'll try to find a link for it. Yeah, let me let me find a link for CJ's video, and I'll put it in the chat. Um, but if uh, AJ, if you have a playtest coming, let us know, and we'll all oh, jump yeah. up. I'm so hot. <laughs> and then in the mail came. Dun, 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 dun. Avatar. Avatar. So I've been reading that. This is a Powered by the Apocalypse style game made by, um, in conjunction with Magpie Games, one of my favorite um, game companies of all time, and Nickelodeon and, you know, the whole the whole Avatar. And I always think it's funny, too, because, you know, you have two enormous franchises right now going with Avatar because you have the movie that's out that's not related to this, but you also have, you know, the, the, the different season, different cartoons that represent you know this whole world and the different books and comics and lores and stuff so i've got that and it came with like cool dice d6 dice for stuff and then like action cards and came with a cool map of the the nations the four different nations and came with an adventure book uh wan chi tong's adventure guide so everything that we can think of to play that and it's been i've been reading that as it uh this whole week's been going on. There's a lot of cool stuff. In fact, they sent me two in this one. They, I have two books that are the role-playing game books. So the dungeon master can keep one with them. And then you can just hand the other book to your player. So you, so they oh, sent good. out, you know, the two different books. So I have two, you know, 300, 400 page books that are the same. Really cool. And it's just been reading one system after another, reading one system after another this week has been great. And then, you know, trying to keep up with some of the D20, uh, uh, Dungeon 23 stuff where I got behind this week for sure. I'm going to have to do a little bit of catch up, but I'm already thinking about, you know, where to go for level two, because as we get to the end of January, right, that's the end of level one. And then you'd be moving into whatever your level yep. two part of your dungeon is. Have you started thinking about your level two for your dungeon yet? Or where, where are you at? Because now, as yours is, they're diving down first and then they're going to come back up. So they must still be diving down at this point. Yeah, yeah, they're diving down. So uh, I finished with a, um, I've got a, I got like a food storage room where the mm-hmm. farmer was growing mushrooms and then fused with one of the mushrooms. <laughs> and so the boss at the end of that one was like a giant man-eating mushroom that um, was kind of rooted in the ground. So you really had to like come to him and he would lure you in. Um, And then the last uh, little bit I did was, I'm trying to remember now. I don't actually remember. It's all written down somewhere. Um, But uh, there, yeah, it's like plugging along. Oh, it was storage. Storage was the key. So I had a big like storage room of like, this is where they made weapons and this is where they kept grain and this is where this happened. And then there Mm -hmm. were a couple of traps and stuff in there. But really, this first level has been like this was an old dwarvish settlement that got corrupted by a demon um, frog. And so the second level is going to be worse, basically. I'm going to keep that demon theme, but it's like Mm -hmm. the influence of that demon is huge. And so my goal is to like get down six months you know, six levels. Mm -hmm. And then there is kind of like the big boss is there and then they can, they have to climb back out because, you know, 
the other direction and then they'll be in another world is kind of the idea so i don't have everything oh. planned out i'm not like you oh, yeah, yeah. i really look at the prompt in sunday mornings and i'm like let's <clears throat> do this and so <laughs> but i am working on it and if you go to the uh jocular junction i'm doing weekly videos on like what i'm writing and and i take little uh, uh stop motion of me drawing it out and stuff so it's lots of fun Lots of fun. Yeah, it's still been a fun challenge. I feel like Do you it know what really... your level two is then? It's the first one was elemental. Do you know what the second one is? I don't. I'm trying to decide what that second level is. I need the theme and I need it in the next couple of days because you know, <laughs> Tuesday is the 31st. So, and I'm already starting to think that way because I really, ha I understand this whole level, my first level, which is the, the base of the tower. It's the entrances. It tells the story of the tower a little bit. And then it has some crafting areas all around that are based off of different elements, mm -hmm. which allow you to ascend higher and hopefully encourage you to push higher. You should um, look at but it. It's also a, an area that doesn't have like a lot of money that drops or like a lot of items. It's more of like materials that drop. And as you go higher, then I think more actual stuff will drop more like treasures and items themselves but that first level was really just to help you build up and, and build or purchase things that you could start to move up for. Yeah, so you should look two, at sure the, the planes of existence, like the great wheel. And you could yeah. think about that, like, Oh, this is a, this is a war level or this is this level. And I was just thinking mm -hmm. like, if you have a lot of forges and stuff on that first level, maybe the level <laughs> two is a forest. Like it's a weird encapsulated forest yeah. because all of the trees that grow allow for wood to come down and be used as fuel um, or something like that. And then you could do like a, I don't know, maybe the players, if they're there too long, they turn into beasts or something from the beast lands. That would be, <laughs> cool, be cool. But yeah, look, look at yeah, it. And, and the idea of the, the, the full tower um, is the lower you are in it, the less it changes because the magic to maintain it and the magic being used there is so low that it doesn't have a lot of magic to make a lot of changes or stuff. Yeah. But the higher you go, the more magic the players are using allows for dimensional spaces, um, changing of the levels, like mm -hmm. where the level begins to change because it has enough magic to make changes. And so the, it's really just this idea of that it it's like a perpetual magic engine, right? So the more power that's being put into it, the more things it can try to throw at these players and to encourage them to move higher and higher. And it's all about just trying to gain that magical power out of their the spells and abilities that they're using. Like yeah. everything is about siphoning that off and using it for some ulterior motive, which will be somewhere near the top. So I can't wait to get to that point. And like, like you said, I think there will be these extra dimensional spaces where all of a sudden floor seven because it's high enough in the air and there's enough magic going on it's like it's like you're on a forest and it has a sky that you don't even think you're in a tower at that point but you yeah. are you're in a dimensional space and then you move to the next one it could be just something totally different and unconnected but the lower ones i think are going to be more structured okay. and they don't change as much and i was just thinking it was like but those are all cool ideas and i do want to have a big forest level or a big you know different element levels that are based on like an environment level, I guess is more, not maybe an element level, but more of like an environment level, I think is what it would be. So yeah, it's a million ideas come to my head as I go through it. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. oh, let's do this one. And do that. No, it's super it fun. It's super fun. So good. Uh, so. Really enjoying Dungeon 23. It's been, uh, we're only a month in, but like it's been a fun mm -hmm. creative outlet for me as well. And so. there's a lot of other people doing it and posting about it or talking about it. So if you do the hashtag or you go out on- Yeah, search hashtag Dungeon 23. Stuff, 
yeah, Twitter, I saw some. I'm sure on Mastodon, there's probably a lot of people yep. talking about or just you know, what they're Google. doing. Like, you would be amazed at how yeah. many blogs people are doing this. And they're just Tons. keeping a daily blog. And it's fun to see what they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, Very ladies and cool. gentlemen, that's our show. Thank you so much for all of the people mm -hmm. in chat hanging out and chatting with us. Really excited. Yeah. We had a lot of people today. Um, it's, it's a weird awesome. news day, so it makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. We will be back next week, I believe. Um, a demon raccoon should be the next boss. Okay. We'll we'll work on that. I like that Demon idea. Raccoon. Uh a Tanuki with spikes. I don't know, something. Um but yes, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Saturday morning D D show. Until then, take care everybody and go play some games.